seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to the Get to Know You Cafe. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I wanted to hear from you listeners on last week's question and discussion. Last week, Harry Udo and I discussed the question, how do you know if someone is emotionally invested in you? We received a number of responses of further deepened dialogue. Joining us today on the Get to Know You Cafe is Natasha and Yacham from Tuesday's podcast. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for having us. We're excited. So glad to have you back. So earlier you were given the topic from last week's podcast to reflect and you've also listened to the episode. Prior to listening to the different responses, what are your thoughts on the discussion? Right. Well, I thought it was a, it was a really nice episode. Uh, I liked how, how Harry handled it and, and his different perspectives uh, that he brought and also the, the whole conversation. Um, the, the one thing that uh, I was reflecting on that wasn't discussed in, in the episode was uh, what what is emotional investment in the first place like what what what's that what does that actually what does the term actually mean because honestly when i hear, hear the term emotional investment my, it makes no sense to me that mm-hmm. that term makes no sense to me whatsoever uh and the second thought was i don't like the term <laughs> oh interesting well <laughs> and, tell me and the why reason I, I don't like the term is because <laughs> it's economical Okay. Mm, and true. relationships like, can go into a place so of being economical where it's an exchange, it's a barter. Uh, and we actually want to help people go beyond this or out of that, that you're not looking at it into terms of kind of exchange or investment and a return on investment and all those kind of things. So so those were, were kind of the, the, the two questions. And actually one more that we had was, why would you want to know? Whether Why your partner's you? emotionally invest, invested. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, 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 wait. That that point right there. What do you mean? Why would you want to know? Don't you want to, like, if it, not about knowing, but feeling it. If you don't feel somebody's committing, not commit, would you say committing? Like, if you don't want, if, okay, if you wouldn't use, go back to for a little bit, if you don't use the word emotional investment, what word would you use? Well, well, so, and that's exactly the question is, what are we referring to? Are we referring, so, so because emotional investment is, is not a clear thing. Are we referring to uh, commitment in a relationship? Are we referring to feeling loved by someone? Are we referring to like, what are we actually referring to with that? Right. Both. It looks to me like these other words that are actually more more specific that you actually know what 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 what's meant by it. And you mm-hmm. saw it in the conversation. You know, also with with how Harry responded. Oh, you know, maybe some deeper needs aren't met. Right. Well, so emotional investment would then mean that, you know, your partner is meeting your needs and, and is willing to meet your needs. That could be looked as emotional investment. You brought up the love languages, right? And so in that term, it could be meaning, yeah, you feel loved in, in the relationship and you, the person is speaking the love language that you understand, right? But because it's a rather ambiguous term, it's like, well, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure. It depends on what actually you're looking at. Okay. So if you're looking at commitment, someone's committing to you, uh, committing to the relationship, showing you that they love you. It's like, a, like I would say it's probably a, a combination of both. And then you said, why would you want to know? Elaborate on that a bit more. Right. So, so the reason I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question is because if someone would come into a coaching conversation with me, it's like, well, I'm wondering if, 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 if my partner's emotionally invested in me, I'll be asking, why do you want to know this? And the reason why I, I'm asking that is because I can't answer the question for them. But what I can look at is what's driving the question. And what's usually driving the question, these kind of questions, is insecurities. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, you know, it, it, are they really loving me? Am I good enough? Am I lovable? Uh, is this relationship right? And all of that, right? Now, I want to get behind those questions because that's where actually the magic is. Right? That is where, we, where the work actually starts. You start with a superficial question in, in terms of the, where the person is at, which is looking at the other partner and be like, well, are they? And being, well... Why do you need to know that? Because you want to feel better about yourself? Because you want to feel know that you're not going to get hurt? Because you need security? What are you looking for? <laughs> that is so true. Like, I think people want to know because, like, they want to know that they don't want to get hurt and, and they want to maybe know, is this long-term? Is this long-term right. or is this just for, you know, a month or two or a year? Yeah. And I think... Like Yahim said, we could break this down into all the love languages, are my needs met, and way more specific issues. And the reason why that becomes quite helpful is that that's something you can actually communicate and have a conversation about with your partner. While if you bring up the topic of whether someone's emotionally invested in you or not, where do you go from there? Mm. (laughs) You know, like, what do you want from me? Like, uh, you know... It's a it's a tough place to be because it's like, well, what exactly is missing then? Like, is something wrong here? We're with us, with me. Like, what am I doing wrong? So, well, well, if someone truly feels like something is off, you know, I feel like in this area I'm not quite getting that, or, or or there, you know, I feel like I'm putting all this time in, and I wish he would spend more time with me. It's specific, yeah. And those things you could talk it out you can work it through then together you're facing kind of a a certain issue together right to make it work and you recognize in the other person like wow that's important for you okay tell me why or oh is there something i could do like how how do we play Hmm. within this dynamic well um if it's something so broad like that certainly I'm sure people would ask that because emotionally, right? It's like emotionally, that that's what it feels like. But I think then that's where the value of your questions come in. It's like, okay, there's clearly an emotional response, or there's something irking you to even ask this. Not a bad thing, right? Mm. Like not even necessarily a bad question, but like wh- wh- where can we go from here? You know, what does this yeah. really mean for you? And what can you do about it? Yeah, I like that. I like that. So it's just by, like simplify. Let's just make it simple. Because there's always a simple reason why people are behaving. Would you say that? Is this like more of a simple reason why people feel a certain way or behave a certain way or react in a certain way? Well, I wouldn't have said simple. I just would say they, there's usually more depth to it. 
as in, mm. as in like you start somewhere out, someone comes in, into, into a conversation wanting something and you start at the surface. And as you start going deeper, you start to realize, oh, you know, there's actually other things at play, you know? Yeah, so, other things at play, but usually it's something else. It's like, like it will get to another yeah. point, like, oh, but that's what's really bothering me or that's what's yeah. really bothering yeah. her or him or whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's usually yeah. like something else. But that it's, that's probably, that is quite simple. It's not something so like a need not being met or something or like a specific need not being met, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It can be, it can be, it's hard to say blanket statements, but you know, as you have the conversation, it gets simpler because the person understands it more. And when you're lost in, 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 in unconcrete ways of speaking about it, you, you, it's quite difficult. And, and, and the conversation often then tends to go more into blaming the other person. Yeah. Well, you are not emotionally invested in me. Well, that's just that's just a blanket blanket statement where he's like, um, "Okay, <laughs> what do you mean by that?" Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, yeah, I really like that. I love that. Whenever I speak to you guys, you like take me off, and I sometimes I have things that are like, "All right, I'm set on what I think about this," and I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> it's not set anymore. It's kind of going off now. It's somewhere else." This is good. I like that you do this to me. Um, so. So now we'll read some of the responses where some people share their perspective or they raise some questions. So the first response is from Kassan from South Africa. He said, my question is, does your attachment style impact the way you emotionally invest in someone? Right. Mm-hmm. So attachment styles, so if, if we look at emotional investment, we do have to have a little bit of clarity of what we're meaning with that term. Okay. Yes. Um, and... So if, if we take emotional investment as, as behavior, right, that I'm exhibiting within a relationship towards the other person, that is, is, is one side. And the other side is how I'm feeling emotionally about the other person, right? So that could be emotional investment. I'm like, oh my God, I have all this hope placed into this relationship. And I can look at that as an emotional investment in, in it. And, and then the answer is yes, it, it absolutely does impact um, your attachment style does impact how you're showing up in the relationship. If you're having an anxious attachment style, uh, you are much more likely to be checking on your partner uh, a lot more times. You're going to be much more insecure about, uh, you know, the relationship when something doesn't look secure anymore you know they don't respond to a text and you're like oh my god they're not responding what's going on maybe they're seeing someone else and you know and the mind goes into hold this this story um and also if you are on the other um end which is an avoidant attachment style right so uh you are you're going to be more and and i think harry mentioned this you're going to be more wanting to as it says avoiding you don't want to get the other person too close it doesn't mean that they don't have any emotional investment because when you break up, you know, yes, they're going to be moving on. But once you actually dig a bit deeper uh, with those kind of people, there is actually stuff happening to them. It's just they usually are cut off from it. They are not not aware of it. Um, mm-hmm. And when you have the secure one, uh, of course, you know, you're going to have different behavior again. So, yes, absolutely. It does, it does impact um, whether you are uh, secure, uh, anxious or avoidant. Interesting. I- I'm actually curious about something now. Are most people, I don't know, I haven't done this research, but maybe you guys know, are most people outside of the secure attachment style, are most people anxious and avoidant and then like there's very little people in the secure attachment style? Uh, Well, so I haven't done the research myself. I'm going to be quoting from the book Attached uh, and I believe they say about 50% are secure and 50% are either 
avoidant or anxious mm. at least that's what i remember okay guys you can go look it up in the book <laughs> that's the number i remember so i was quite surprised actually that they had a, a fairly high number as 50 percent because it that's always looks like it, it, it's more based to you know going towards people who are not secure but i think no. we're biased because of the tv shows that we are seeing and the movies and the books which usually is showcasing the drama which happens yes. between anxious just an avoidant yes yes absolutely yeah i find that very interesting like i don't know like uh, i don't know i think that number's too big for securing it still anyway i don't know what do you think natasha yeah i would think so and it, i think it's quite interesting especially interpreting um whether it's someone is um emotionally invested in you or not and i think that's why this question um it's not just with the definition, but it's open to interpretation completely, mm. not just the definition itself, but you know what attachment styles you have. And I actually, I remember having this conversation with someone who recently got married, at least this conversation happened after someone recently got married, didn't really know his partner. I knew him, he's a good friend. I didn't know his partner. So I said, oh, how's, how's your family life, home life? You know, you're married man now. And it was quite interesting, his response. I think that was his first um, reply to how are things going. He says, oh, my wife, she's great. She never asks any questions. And I thought, <laughs> wow, but guess what? Guess what attachment style he has, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's an obvious one. So, yeah. So imagine if someone... Um, if if you know his wife is, is gives him a lot of space, a lot of room for him to be, and you know he's an avoidant type, so he feels loved, he feels accepted. You know, maybe she's extremely emotionally invested in him because she gives him all that freedom, right? Really? Oh god, I like that you look at it in that way. Well, they right? both they but sound that- like they're both avoidant. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know her, right? So I can't okay. give you the half. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I'm just saying that, you know, depending on your attachment style, imagine how you interpret, you know, that emotional investment question. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. Okay, so our second response is from James from London. He said, not feeling if someone is emotionally invested in you versus someone not emotionally investing in you are two different things. Some Someone may be emotionally investing in their partner, but the partner does not feel feel it or cannot understand it. In this situation where your partner cannot understand it, even though you meet their needs, then how can you bridge this gap? Right, right. So for me, this this very much looks like what you're talking about, usually with love languages, okay, that you are uh, speaking, you're showing up in a way that does not compute with the other person. Right. So, so for example, Natasha takes care of the household because her love language is acts of service. My love language is quality time and physical touch. And I'm like, where the hell are you? And she's, and, and she, and she's like, what do you mean where I'm? You could like at least help or something. Right. So she's showing her care and I feel abandoned and, and not loved because she's busy showing her love to me. I'm going to do it in quotes. No, because for me, it's in quotes because I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm like, what are you doing? I, mean, I get it now. But at the beginning, that was a huge uh, area of conflict because 
I didn't feel loved. She didn't feel loved because we did not have a match about yeah. how we're actually showing up in the relationship and what love means and, and, and all of that, you know? So with this question that the, my intuition would be saying, well, you guys seem to have a mismatch in, in, in how you are um, communicating love and, and your emotions, really, right? So for Natasha, making me a piece of bread or a sandwich, that's an act of service and it's an act of love. While for me, when I first met, met Natasha, it, it didn't mean anything. It really didn't. <laughs> yeah I didn't yeah. care about the sandwich which is you know almost kind of <laughs> heartbreaking for her because it's like you know I'm, I'm loving you through the sandwich you know it's like me wanting to touch her and she's like yeah whatever like you know we just yeah. need to get on with work and you know so 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 that really is at the heart and and it is for that is really the, the love languages are great. If, if you have kind of a, a framework and you know that there's different ways of expressing love and receiving love, it can really help because then you can open up the conversation to how are you actually, like, for example, with this guy, like, how do you, what would have to happen that you feel that I'm emotionally investing or invested in you? Mm, yeah. Right? I, I'm, I'm curious about something. When you're talking about the love languages, let's say, for example, physical touch and now if it's not in the bedroom and it's oh, just physical touch like caring and caressing and just you know the normal um if it makes the other person uncomfortable to give it and that's what you need to receive what do you do that what happens then so there's a partner whose love language is physical touch. Mm -hmm. He would like his partner to hold his hand mm -hmm. in public, but then the partner is uncomfortable with that in, in public. But not, but not necessarily in just, public. It could just be at oh, home just, or just be like just cuddling on the couch. Mm. Right. I can give an example from, from, from our relationship because here's the thing. I'm not the act of service guy. I really am not. I'm not. I don't want to go sweep the floor. I don't want to do the dishes. I'm not the guy. I don't like it. I don't. Okay. Yeah. And so he, here's the question then. Is the, and the question is, are you going to choose to love or not? Yeah. And so okay. I chose to love. And so for me, I'm, 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 I'm doing the dishes and I'm sweeping the floor because it's an act of service because I know Natasha will understand this as an act of love. Now, my relationship to those tasks have changed. They, they, I mean, at the beginning, I really hated them. <laughs> I'm going to be straight up. I mean, I hated as a, as a teenager having to do the washing up. And I was like, I'm never going to do this again. Well, I'm doing it now. Right. But so there's a choice that you can make that I'm doing an act of love for my partner. And this is where love becomes more and more selfless and it doesn't become a partner anymore. But it's not about doing the, the thing. I oh, like no, that. I the touching or yeah. whatever. No. Yeah, yeah. I do like that example, but with physical touch, like cuddling on the couch, because I've heard a lot of relationships like this. My person, my partner doesn't like to cuddle, but I really mm -hmm. want to cuddle. And mm -hmm. let's say they do it just to show you, okay, mm -hmm. you know, they're choosing to love you. But when you're cuddling, it's like, oh, they're uncomfortable with this. This doesn't feel good for either of us anymore. Yeah. Well, uncomfortable is is definitely something to be aware of, right? Because what we're advocating isn't to do things that feel uncomfortable because that mm -hmm. could eventually mm -hmm. just go in the direction of just getting your boundaries crossed again and again, thinking yes. that it's, it's, it's love or something like that. But I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. 
for example, if if someone has trouble with intimacy, and say one partner really emphasizes that physical touch, while you, you have a, like another type of um, love language that you prefer, one thing that you can kind of adapt towards, so that like Yahim says, you're you're really coming from a place of love but yet you're not getting your boundaries crossed it's not to get to the point where it's like truly uncomfortable and you 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 do something intimate anyways we would not recommend that but something you could kind of feel into is to get to know yourself in that area a bit more because it's not really your partner's responsibility to force that intimacy or that physical touch upon you it's it that, that's not right you know, period. So mm. it's for you, for you, clearly, you know that your partner enjoys that, right? So for you, then you have to kind of go, okay, I don't necessarily enjoy it that much. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Okay. You know, okay. Listen to that. But sometimes I'm kind of like neutral. I'm in the middle. Like I wouldn't mind if I had it. I, I wouldn't mind if I didn't have it. You know, if we cuddled or we held hands, those are the moments where you kind of maybe want to open up more and let that be the space so that you can, you know, show your love to your partner. It's, it's to kind of go beyond just your preference of when you want to touch his hand, when you want to cuddle with him and kind of go in the room of beyond just my preference in the space where it's still within my boundary, what would still feel okay with me. You know, I would actually deep down be all right with that where do I have that space? In which moments, at what time can I mm. allow myself to share that with my partner, right? So you are giving to your partner, but you're allowing that to be a bit more because, you know, for someone who maybe doesn't doesn't like, you know, physical touch as, as you know, their love language, that means it's not that important to them. That's all. Does, does, does not necessarily mean that they don't enjoy it, period, you mm. know, because we are physical beings, but they don't prefer it as you know the best way to feel you know or as often yeah so or as often but then they still have that space in between that space where they could and it feel all right and then they could kind of have that space to ease into it and connect and initiate that from themselves because their partner would most likely always be like yes yes more cuddles finally you know yeah exactly it's not but but it's, you have to find that zone, that yeah. zone of your preference, what feels all right, and then that uncomfortable area. Then don't go there. Don't maybe create, yeah. Don't create those shared physical touch moments with your partner when you clearly feel uncomfortable. Then you've gone too far. You've gone yes. too far, and you might have crossed your boundaries, and you're still trying to love him or her. You know, exactly. don't 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 go there. But find that middle spot, that middle spot where you can share something, where you ne- might not necessarily you know, for yourself, but maybe for your partner together to create that moment together. Yeah, I kind of get that. I like that a lot. Like there's a zone, there's a zone for it. Maybe you're like midday, like during the day, it's more comfortable than in the morning or at night because people are like quite different, you know, early when they first wake up or when they want to go to sleep, you know, there's a, your mood kind of shifts significantly. So maybe it's a during the day thing and that's kind of the zone thing that you're talking about. I really like that. And your level of desire, like maybe you don't have to feel like, you know, so into it to initiate. Maybe if you feel a little bit, just a little mm. bit, maybe that's enough to start it, you know, because yeah. your partner will be ready. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your level of desire. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And do you want to add I, something to that? 
Yeah, the other thing is is, is that uh, your partner is not obliged to do those things. Mm. So you're alone in your relationship. What are you going to do? You want to cuddle? Well, there's no one to cuddle because you're alone. Yeah. So you are the one who has also a responsibility to your needs. It's not just your partner. Okay. And so you need to own those needs. You need to find a way to meet those needs yeah, if like- your partner's not in the right place. You can make a request. You can ask for it. And if they're not in it, well, then that it's up to you to find 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 a way of of like go and cuddle with your siblings or something, or with your teddy, teddy bear or with your, or dog your teddy or bear. <laughs> yeah, <You know>? exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I love that. I love that. So our last response is from Claire from Melbourne. She said, I really enjoyed the point about physiological calm. Don't reach the point of frustration before you discuss your needs. This requires a high level of self awareness. Although some people do not approach this in a calm way, is it still possible to discuss with heightened emotion? Well, it, it, look, it really depends on, on, on the person. I mean, they, there's people who, who uh, go from calm to heightened emotions to you know, a little bit more heightened emotions to kind of like in the red zone where you just you really can't see properly anymore. And some people go from calm to um, red zone like that. (laughs) And the thing is, there is a red zone where your brain does get overloaded and does get hijacked. uh, And and then it's not, you're not going to be having a productive conversation anymore. Your rational faculties are shut down. You're more in a fight and flight uh, mode and all of that. So you do want to make sure that you don't go necessarily into that. And so it is very helpful to have the self-awareness and to notice where you are on that scale. You can literally have it in colors, okay, green, uh, orange, and red, right? So that you know that you are aware of what's happening. And yes, it takes a level of self-awareness, and that's what relationships take. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you got to have a certain level of self-awareness because otherwise we are just unconsciously stumbling through the relationship, not knowing when we're hurting ourselves and our boundaries or when we're hurting the other person. Right. And so, yes, you can still discuss uh, things with heightened emotions. We certainly do. Um, And it it, it does take a good amount of, you know, being able to hold those emotions in you and not just lashing out and projecting them out and just feeding the story and looking now for the evidence to support the story that's going to make the emotions more. Yeah. You don't want to do that. No, but I find that a lot of people probably don't know where their red zone is until they're in a relationship and something happens and then they reach it and they're like, oh, like I can say that I i don't think I've reached the red zone. I don't know where my red zone is to be like. So this is something that's going to be tested as well, right? And I think part of the, with the question too, like I, I don't know. I, do you find that most people lack a strong self-awareness, like, just in general, like people in general, I think a lot of people do. So most people are in relationships but don't have a strong level of self-awareness. I'm not too sure about self-awareness specifically, but when it comes to emotions, because the question is really talking about the emotions kind of getting the better of you and like more and more and more and feeling, feeling more and more. Um, when people, most people get emotional the common reaction is just like, 
uncomfortable. <laughs> like yeah. discomfort, discomfort, sure. and discomfort. Now, do whatever yes. necessary to eject from the situation. Eject, like <laughs> so, so. So I don't know about self awareness, but this this relationship with with their emotions that's that is really really important because for example when it comes to having a a, a heated or emotional conversation um, there's different ways to kind of approach this one is to know that most likely the more emotional you are it means more personally you're taking whatever it is that you're addressing you're like you said that about me like like oh, what does that mean what does that mean about your love for me or what does that say about what i did yesterday for you like you know it it means something if it didn't mean something to you it wouldn't quite trigger you it wouldn't get you riled up it has to kind of poke a certain something somewhere for you to kind of respond emotionally so the more emotional you get the more meaning you'll put into a certain thing, whether it's a towel on the floor or whatever someone, some, something, something someone said, you'll read so much into it and, and, and the emotions come with that, right? The interpretation of that. So that's one thing to be aware of. Most likely, the more emotionally you become, the more stories, the more meaning, mm. the thicker the glasses you're seeing through as you uh, discuss whatever in this conversation. However, keeping that in mind, we've also had emotional conversations conversations between Yahim and I where clearly one or both of us are quite feeling something emotionally going on within us but it'll go something like this if we're being quite self-aware in the moment I'll be like I know that you said this but I really feel this like <laughs> I know you said like <laughs> Oh, there's a snail on the floor but then what I feel is that I don't know you're blaming me for this and I feel like I didn't do that you know mm. like so, so we'll get we'll be frustrated or we'll be angry or we'll be you know sad whatever emotion we're going through but we'll actually say out loud like I know <laughs> I know I you tried to say that but I don't I just don't see it right now yeah. I just see Red, or I just see, I, I really felt like you said that to hurt me, or I really felt like that was mean. You know, I actually thought that was mean, or, you know, yes. so we'll actually kind of like talk about our inability to actually see things um, <laughs> rationally. And we'll be like, my glasses are so thick. I'm trying to understand, <laughs> you know, your intention, but I really don't see it. And I really feel this way. And that's okay. That's okay. Because mm. then the other person can be like, no, yeah, it might be really hard to believe. Or I, I can see that you don't feel it, but you know, I had no intention of hurting you or, oh, when I said that, I actually just only meant that. I, I wasn't yeah. looking at you or anything. It's yeah. like, oh, but you're really struggling. So, you know, so then the, in, in that area, in that moment, the other person can always be like, oh, I'm really sorry that you feel that way because, you know, I really didn't mean to do that. But then, you know, the other person can be like, okay, okay, but I still feel hurt, you know, yes. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. But <laughs> but that's actually not really pressing the eject button. That's trying to go like, all right, my glasses, okay, like, well, you know, what am I interpreting? What am mm. I going through? What am I feeling? And I'm not afraid to share that with you. It's okay if I say, Hmm, I hear you, but I feel something different. You know, 
I, yeah. I still feel angry, but that's okay. That's okay. Because then the other person can empathize with you and see like, wow, you're, you're struggling. You're having yeah. emotional struggling. Yeah. And also I want to add to that, you know, they, there's a, there's a certain danger of, of thinking we have to approach things only when we're, we're calm. I mean, I, I know the research and all of that, but there is value in the emotions and the emotions coming out in a conversation. In general, uh, some people are, are, are locked. So, so when emotions get high, they are locked in a certain pattern of, of, of repetitiveness. So emotions get high and they're just going to start blaming and, and, and you can kind of predict how the conversation is going to go because they've played it over and over again and it's just going to contribute to more hurt. Right. In, in those kind of situations, I can see the usefulness of, you know, regulating yourself and all of that. But in, in other cases where it's not just a, um, you know, script that has been rehearsed a thousand times, uh, there is value in being open that, you know, yes, we can get emotional and it can get difficult and, and all of that. But that is part of the relationship. Right. And your capacity to hold those emotions and to hold your partner in, in your awareness during those times can lead to a lot of growth Mm -hmm. so that's a different kind of aspect and i know that john gottman says you know usually when you when emotions run high you want to take at least 20 minute break uh before you continue with the conversation because it takes this long physiologically to to kind of reset the system well interestingly enough i had moments where i was really distressed and within minutes i was in bliss i was happy Mm which is uh, a strange thing um, con- considering the research around uh, you know, emotions and it takes 20 minutes. So, so it is not as fixed. That's why I'm throwing it in because we yes. can take it as gospel and think, oh, you know, this is how it is. No, those things are not fixed and emotions aren't fixed and it's not fixed that it's going to take 20 minutes to, to, to reset. You can actually go through an intense emotion and you can come out the other end actually in peace. And, yeah. and in love again, um, all of that. So that all of that is possible that's why I'm throwing it out as an alternative pers- perspective so people don't get the idea, well, this is how you have to do relationships now. You know yeah. you don't. Yeah. Just because you have emotional conversations doesn't mean that things are have gone wrong. Yeah. And and and, and we, we do have to be quite careful with this whole topic because, for example, one person might have the tendency to just use rage as a form mm. of control, mm. of manipulation. It's like, oh, I'm mm. going to get so angry every time and you're going to do what I want you to do, you know? That yeah. could be a tendency and that's not healthy. That's very toxic. But real true emotions that are raw, that are human and being seen, being seen, showing that, not just to hurt your partner or to spaz out, but to really show the emotions that you're going through as you work out a problem or as you face an issue, that's real, you know? Yes, you can go calm down for 20 minutes, like Yakim said, but but that's a part of being human too. And sometimes mm. you have to see your partner in that state yeah. from time to time. Yeah. And like Yakim said, sometimes it's useful, not in the example I gave earlier, but I, I actually experienced this one time. I had this uh, this pattern of like, I don't know, I just kept sabotaging myself. I kept blaming yeah. myself. I was just, we were working through something, but then I was kind of like just digging a little hole for me and going, oh, I'm this bad. I'm not sure if I can do it. Oh yeah, I'm just so used. Like, I'm just doing that little, little spiral mm. on my own. 
yeah, yeah, I guess it's not my fault. I guess I got to change now. So I was just doing that to myself. Yeah, he was sitting there across from me at the table. He tried to help me out. He's saying like, hey, hey you're, you're kind of doing that thing you do. You know, it's really not health. Like it's not healthy. You know what you're saying to yourself. It's not all you like, like we, we know this pattern. Like he's trying to like point it out to me so that I kind of see what was going on. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it really is me. It's my, it's my mistake. I got to figure it out. Yeah, I have to take responsibility. But I kept on digging myself that little hole. And then Yahim got so frustrated. He got so frustrated. He got, like, angry. Like, he got frustrated, frustrated, couldn't help me. And he just got angry, you know? And I was like, whoa, well, you know? Because I was, like, yeah. in the middle of my own little self-sabotage. And I looked at him. I was like, whoa. Yahim, what, what, what are you doing? What's going yes. on with you? He's like, I'm so tired of this. Can you stop? Like, stop blaming yourself. I hate it when you do this to yourself. You're hurting yourself. You don't even see it. And I was like, oh, oh. He's like, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't see you hurt yourself like this. And he walked away because he was so frustrated. And I was like, holy beep. You know, like, like, oh, okay point taken he mm. like i was really doing something to myself he get, couldn't get through to me i didn't see it i was still downward spiral self-pity and then he he had that emotional reaction it was raw it was real you know he was emotional he expressed himself yeah. his frustration his anger and i was like poof reality check look at what my actions upon myself look at how it's impacting my partner He's hurt because I'm hurting myself and it pains him because he couldn't do anything about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should change something, you know, like, so, yeah. so that was like a really yeah. good whack on the head because I saw what he was feeling and he expressed that. And that's the power of it, right? That's what I think we mean when we say, hey, emotions aren't just some annoying thing. You got to calm down after 20 minutes no. and then come back and be, you know, civil. No, no, it has its reasons for being here yeah we should always I think we should always emotionally express ourselves like the, you know people think that and, and it's uh they either go to one end or the other it's like you're crying or you're raging but uh yeah absolutely I love that example thank you for sharing um that was fantastic guys thank you so much for uh coming on to this cafe discussion I really always love hearing what you have to say and like I said before you really open my own mind and add perspectives into what I was thinking and I'm sure you're going to be doing that for the listeners and and it's so great always to hear these responses from the from the other listeners and they're all from all different parts of the world and they have different experiences and thinking so it really adds to the conversation and and you guys shared your own perspectives which was so great and and I'm still kind of like thinking about well why would you want to know someone's emotionally invested I'm going to be pondering on that for a bit (laughs) you left me with that um Yakum so that was really great so thank you guys thank you for coming on to the cafe discussion Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was great fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Get to Know You Cafe. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farag. Be sure to listen to Tuesday's podcast and send in your responses for us to include next Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe.